0: Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're ever like me and have sat back and wondered how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest loves the web and all that it offers, and because of this love and the vision of online. Of the online venue's potential to generate good she has made it her mission to create a safer and more compassionate web through her consulting writing and speaking as a leader in the digital governance space for more than 20 years her passion centers around helping digital teams learn how to collaborate more effectively so that they can help improve the quality and safety of our online world something we are all in desperate need of today more than ever Bold and fierce are two words that come to mind as I think back to our first encounter more than 10 years ago in Sioux Falls, South Dakota of all places. Even back then, she spoke about the importance of educating and encouraging leaders to have the right conversations and take the right steps to organize, govern and run digital teams more effectively. Over the years, she's worked with all kinds of digital teams and organizations aligned with most vertical uh, market spaces and has seen it all. Some of her vast experience and expertise can be found in her book, Managing Chaos, Digital Governance by Design. She also co-hosts a podcast with her design leader, where they talk to the designers, technologists, and business leaders responsible for building the digital experiences that make up our world. Never one to shy away from something new, our guests up and moved to the Netherlands during the pandemic to fulfill a lifelong dream of living in Europe. So joining us from abroad, welcome Lisa Walshman.
1: Hello, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to this combo.
0: <laughs> well, I'm so happy to hear from you and see from you. It's, it's As we were talking about, it's been a minute. So, I mean, that was strictly the highlight reel. You have done so much and worked with so many amazing um, companies and had such an impact on our industry. Can you tell me a li- tell tell our audience a little bit more about what it is that you do and, and what wakes up your day?
1: Oh, wow, what I do. Well, I basically help digital teams and organizations collaborate better with all this new technology you know, that's coming up and around. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing as a professional person. What I do with my day is different. <laughs> my days are really quite boring. Um, I consult a little, I clean a little, I play the piano a little, um, I read, I write, I do those sorts of things. But professionally, I am focused on really mentoring leaders and especially right now, I think more recently, transferring knowledge to a new generation. So I'm, I'm getting older um, and I've learned a lot and I'm old enough that there's now a younger generation of folks sort of coming up under me and I'd really like to, one, continue to learn from them because I think they have a really different perspective and way of handling these technologies, but also kind of maybe point out where some of the landmines are um, in the profession and, and give them some tools. So it's a combination of, of, of all of those things just living a life, uh, mentoring folks, doing some consulting, and thinking about the next book um, ah, and, and what I that was might be.
0: Ask. You must have yeah. a new book.
1: Well, the super secret thing is that I am actually writing a book right now, but it's a murder mystery. Ah. So uh, it, I'm almost done. I'm on the second draft and almost finished with that. And so that's kind of a fun project and a, me answering a promise to myself uh, about you know one of the things that I wanted to do in this life. Um, and then, but the next book in terms of what I do for a living and, and professionally is probably going to be something around digital safety. Right. So,
0: so can you give us the title of the book?
1: I'm not going to, cause I keep okay. shifting. I keep shifting <laughs> about, uh, what the title is and, and, and I'm trying not to talk about it because I'm one of those people that if I talk about things too much, I don't do them. I hear you. Yep. Right so there's so, a freshness so I'm not being coy I'm more being protective does that make any sense <laughs>
0: Totally absolutely makes sense we all have our little mind games that we need to keep yeah, our barriers yeah, and yeah, protect, yeah. so yeah. I fully support that but do promise me that you will come of back Of course the I'm going to tell
1: every I'm going to tell everybody and I'll be happy to come back and tell everybody when it comes out because I think it's funny it's said in the world of digital they say write what you know I yeah. know about this world. So it's really yes. great to, to have a murder mystery, uh, you know, <laughs> with chief design it. officers and front end, <laughs> front end engineers and content strategists. It's like, you know, they're all capable of murder, I think, having worked with them for <laughs>
0: all and these you know years. You'll, you'll have a baked in audience because if you're using that kind of language, then there's a whole ton of us who are going to be like, oh, my God, I need to read this book because there are many times where we've, we've thought, you know, If we did this with this, we could cause a catastrophic attack.
1: Well, there's a lot of catastrophes I think we cause at work. Um, Hopefully, none of them are actually murder.
0: That would be bad. Um, Okay, so let's get into the core questions that we start with. What was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up?
1: You know, I thought about this because you delightfully um, gave me these questions before, and I have two answers because I can't really remember. I'll tell you what the first answer was, and then I'll tell you what the next answer was that I wanted it to be. So <laughs> the first the first answer was that, and I'm old enough to say use this word, I want it to be a stewardess. So I'm just old enough that I kind of grew up in the heyday of the launch of the seven forty seven. Right and sort of like the, the whole jet age. Glamour. I was a child. I was a child during that time. So this whole idea of flying in big airplanes and going places was really interesting. I'm also it was also an army brat, and my dad was did two tours of duty in Vietnam. And you know, we would take him to the airport, and he would fly off places. So there was just kind of this thing of like you know people getting on an airplane and going things. So that was it. But the other thing that came really young to me because because my dad was in Vietnam in the summertime, my mom would put my sister and I in summer school, like a summer school program. And after the first grade, believe it or not, first grade, I was a little bit um, precocious when it came to reading and writing. And um, she put me in a creative writing course. And I started to learn how to write poetry. So for a very, very long time, I wanted to be a poet. Right. So these I wanted to, I guess I wanted to be a poet stewardess. Let's just put it that way. <laughs>
0: That's quite the interesting poet at night. You could be in one of those rooms where people clap with their fingers. Yeah, well,
1: they didn't do that then. But when when I think about it now, stating that, that could have worked, traveling the world and writing poetry about it. That could have been a thing, but that's not what happened. Yeah. (laughs) I was a quiet, I was a shy shy child. I'm quite talkative now, but I'm really quite introverted and shy. So I don't know that the flight attendant thing would have actually worked well.
0: Uh, you, you know what you probably like, like you and I do when we get out there in conferences and stage. Because like you, I'm a my Myers Briggs is a, is an INTJ, so I'm yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, is we put on our external persona, but we get the hell out of dodge when it's all over and done. Yeah, so we, yeah.
1: and then rest for three days. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> who was the first big influencer you remember on your life?
1: I have had to think about this question a lot, and I really landed down when I think about who I am as a person. Um, There's obviously family members, but I'm pushing them aside because they're kind of a constant. So I was trying to think of someone that's not a family member um, because I don't have anything like, oh, my grandma, she really, you know, there's nothing like that. But I had a social studies teacher in, I wanna say seventh or eighth grade, middle school for the US, middle school for the US. And she wrote me a note in my final report, I put it in my final report card praising me for having a feminist activist voice in class like so she would say stuff and i would be like you know like always in the pocket and because i'm quite introverted and shy i probably would have never understood that you can be introverted and powerful in that way and so there was some little thing that went on in my head that clicked in my head about you know having agency. Right. And having the ability to speak up and show up. Right. For things that you believe are right, you know, against a classroom full of people who, you know, whatever. So that maybe has served me. It's, I think it's served me well emotionally, personally. How it served me in the world depends on the situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is there a song that epitomizes your career path, maybe from a strong woman? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, it's funny. I uh, The song that I thought of for this is almost the exact opposite, but, and you might, may or may not know it, but um, and I'm showing my age again. It's Everybody is a Star by Sly and the Family Stone, which was a hit when I was a kid growing up. And it really is a song about how great everyone is and how everyone has potential. And I deeply believe that. I don't believe that all people are the same, but I believe that people have the same value. And, you know, when I consult and work with people and when I write and just interact in the world, my goal is to to either, you know, help other people understand their power and bring it forth either in a work context or in a worldly context or in life, um, and to help them understand that that is actually true, right? And that we don't have to be the same. It's just you know, one of the lines in it is it is um, I love you for who you are and not the one you feel you need to be. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. So that's like my little background kind of thing when I step up to a person or I interact with someone, even in a business context, because I think there's a lot of kind of, you know, listical sense of doing things. Oh, to be a great leader, you have to one, two, three, four, five, five steps to being a great leader. And it's like, how about you get to know yourself, find out where your power is and what it is and your special little twinkle, and then let's go in and figure out how you can be yourself and actually create, you know, powerful situations and resolve things. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. And again, like other things, it's served me well and not well. Um, it makes me a, it makes <laughs> yes. me a, well, it makes me a kind of non-traditional management consultant in a lot of different ways. Um, Indeed and quite, quite personal, right? And so that works well for some people and it works really well for mentoring situations, I think. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, to have that innate belief in others, um, a lot of people say it, but they don't act on what they say, right? Because um, of course it's the right thing to say, but a lot of people put their own agenda against how they help others. So, you know, you talk about letting people be who they are and really lean into that and leverage that. I think that's really important. I think it's something also for those coming up in the next gen. um, It's important because I think they too have been, I don't think they were as overtly, I don't want to use the word oppressed, but I mean, growing up female, both of us, you know, there Mm -hmm. were certain things that were expected because we were girls, right? And if we behaved outside of that, then we were misbehaving or, you know, we were told we weren't ladylike or, you know, that wasn't right. And we look back now and go, well, no, that was just, you know, you being you, me being me, and there's no right or wrong. So I think enabling others to, to get that right and to really lean into who they are is, is so important.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's not often at, um, uh, on the table for people in, at right. work, especially. Yeah. Especially, yeah, for sure. What are three words you'd use to
0: describe you and or your career?
1: Okay, so I came up with three words that uh, I thought about a bit. Um, They might be kind of oxymoronic in some ways. Maybe that's one of the words, but anyhow, um, but not really. So I would say serendipitous is one of them. Um, And against that, I would say intentional. And then against that, I would say free. Nice. So I like to take advantage of opportunities that present themselves and alignments that present themselves in front of me. But also when I recognize and see something that I want or identify something that I'd like to achieve professionally or working with a client for them, I'm quite intentional and structured and rigorous about, okay, we've identified what we want to do here. Let's go do it with intent. Right. Instead of going like, oh, maybe it'll happen or it's like, you know, so it's this combination of allowing, allowing things to arise. Right. And then being able to identify what's going to work for a particular situation and then being intentional about delivering it. And the free really maybe is actually freedom. To me, that allows a certain amount of freedom to, you know, express myself, be creative. Uh, with people that I work with, um, enjoy sort of like the bounty, lusciousness, and sort of wonder of the world. It's quite incredible that I'm even here, right, that I landed, you know, there's just a lot of kind of awesomeness about being in the world. And to be able to ride that with some looseness and intent at the same time is is really like how I like to roll. Uh,
0: That is oxymoronic is the overlay for those three, but it totally makes sense. It absolutely, what you said and how you explained it, it completely makes sense. And being able to have that balance of both, you know, the structure that you like and the purpose to which you do things, and I've seen you do things with great purpose, but to leave that little bit of, or a lot, depending on the situation, I guess, um, door open to allow for what you can't see and what you can't plan for and how that's going to impact you. I think that's just an amazing way to embrace the world.
1: Well, and also what I don't know, I mean, I am an embodied Lisa Mitchell Welchman. I'm in this woman's body, this black American person's body culturally and ethnically. There's a lot of things which, you know, gives me a certain type of perspective of the world and how it works and how it operates. And I don't know what it's like to be you. And I don't know what it's like to be anyone. I moved to a different country. I don't know what it's like to be a Dutch person, right? So mm-hmm. it, it it leaves, it, it it builds a certain amount of humility about what you can know, but the intention also gives you some spine. So it's a combination of just sort of like understanding your place and who you are in the world. And that that's not always like the prime position, right? I mean, like the, everybody's in their own prime position. So it's really quite interesting to me and, and not popular because the the word of the day now is like, you know, go for it, your power, you know, like you're the one push, blah, blah, blah. And that maybe can work for some people, but for me, it's just exhausting. Like, and I can't do it. There's no joy in that for me. Right. So.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So I'm, cu- I'm
0: curious. So you've, in our industry, uh, I think about my career and I have bounced around. I've done sort of the three sides of the content and technology trifecta I've worked for big companies I've done startups and whatnot you've done the same you've worked for a a myriad of companies as well as yourself and and sold a business and and merged and that was a brilliant move by the way Um, but you've very much been focused on you know you've had an umbrella of topic an area where you've you've focused so What has your career journey been like? Like, what did you set out to do, and how did you get into something as specific as governance for the web? Which, you know, back when it started was not something people were doubling down on. To this day, it's still something, it's a word that I use often, and, you know, my clients are tired of me saying it, but it is the basis of all success, and is what I believe, um, because I'm a geek that way. (laughs) But did you set out? did you have this epiphany and say, hey, web governance is is where I need to be? Or is it something that evolved or called to you? Or...
1: Well, I'm of an age and of the first generation of the commercial web that I, no one in my generation, I think, could have planned to do whatever job it is they're doing, because probably whatever job they're doing didn't exist, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you, know, you know, if you're asking how I got from flight attendant stewardess slash poet to (laughs) digital governance management consultant that's quite a journey i mean i have always been very very interested in systems and structured systems um i was a philosophy major with a lot of study in symbolic logic um so in fact i wanted to be a philosophy professor that didn't work out but when the web came out it was You know, I was around people who were into technology and the internet, so I was doing email very early, like in the 80s, right? So I was kind of around people who were in this technological arena. And because of my kind of logician philosophy and philosophy of language, what really appealed to me was the semantic web, right? I thought this semantic web thing, this is gonna happen, right? Like, and all the knowledge of the world structured and put online and, you know, so I had an intellectual interest in that in that system and I like to organize systems. So I ended up doing some Lotus Notes development when I was living in New York City and got an opportunity to move to Silicon Valley in 95 and 1995 and do some early HTML work actually with Netscape. So that Wow. Kind of is how, yeah, so that's actually how I got into the into the field. And, you know, early software development design, like really early crazy stuff, like putting a ready-made intranet on a piece of hardware and selling the box. I think it was called Ready Intranet Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, some crazy stuff like that. And so I ended up at Cisco Systems. Managing the product pages for Cisco.com, and so that was really the turning point, because yeah. I very very early saw broken big website, broken multilingual multi-channel website. I saw in nineteen ninety six ninety seven, so broken multi-channel multilingual website is exists now. <laughs> you know, like all over the place (laughs) 25 years later so i saw that and was actually helping to design systems to fix that working with coders to help develop and logic out the algorithm for that there's a woman named jan jensen tyler who's moved away from the industry who got a prize for the from the smithsonian for multi-channel content delivery so single source of the truth publishing to cd-rom um html and print Right. So I saw that very, very early, and I saw the disconnect between um, IT and marketing and mm-hmm. the sort of fight over, you know fight over who's going to who's going to uh, you know, own the web inside of the organization. So I saw all of that really, really early, and I designed their first web content management system for cisco.com. So that was, I think, the turning point for me and what caused me to become a consultant because I thought, wow, if a technology company like Cisco can't run their website, probably nobody else can, right? Right. So, Yeah. So that started my journey, which then turned into a lot of different things, large web content management system consulting. Um, Then I invented something called web operations management because I thought this is an operational problem. And one of the arms of web operations management at that time was web governance and at a certain point, probably I'd moved back to the, maybe like 2008, nine, 10, something like that. I don't know, In somewhere around that time frame, I realized that all of those arms with, were too many and that I needed to pick one. So I picked governance, right? And that's nice. that's moved forward. So it was kind of like the decision-making. The problem is one of roles and responsibilities and people not understanding who's supposed to do what because these are sort of nascent technologies and because the enterprise on a whole is a disorganized kind of mosh pit of people, I, I, you know, I've worked for so many different vertical market spaces and so many different types of companies and in so many different countries. And, you know, I'm always staggered at how, you know, any company or organization runs because it's crazy, right? <laughs> like it's just internally, it's just crazy. So it's been quite, quite a journey, but I enjoy it. And so, um, you know, writing Managing Chaos was kind of a fruition of understanding how to manage and organize, you know, this type of system.
0: Was there um so you talked about, it sounded like a bit of an epiphany when you were at Cisco and figured, oh my gosh, if if this kind of company can't get their shit together, to, to put it frankly, you know, there's got to be others both bigger and smaller. So, you know, hence the move into consulting. Was that a defining moment, or was there something else that significantly impacted the trajectory of your career that really anchored you in the in where you are today?
1: I, You know, I, that's a really interesting question. And I think, you know, I'm a little bit hard-headed, and I like a puzzle. And I, a, a quality of mind that is good or bad, depending on what I'm trying to do, is that I'm just... Dogged about trying to solve a problem. And so I thought that I would leave Cisco Systems and, like, 10 years later, everyone would be, I didn't use this language, but everybody would be governing correctly. I thought it was a matter of expressing the problem and illuminating the situation. And everyone would go, Wow, we're working crazy? Why work crazy when we could not work crazy, right? And everybody would get on board. And I completely underestimated this is the power of the market and how far people are in going to, you know, lengths to make money. Right. And I'm not saying that anti-capitalist blah, 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 that's a whole different conversation. It's more just like a dry observation of how that market pushes tech technologies along. So I started to really think about that. And, you know, and so that was a, a key push for me, but also, um, you know, I guess more recently um, I hope I'm answering your question I'm sort of sideways answering it more recently. I've just realized you know it, it it's the puzzle part of it kathy it It really is like why is this so bad? right like I just like i'm and i' I'm still hung on that, right you know, when I'm thinking about writing about safety, like I want to answer that question, right why is it so bad and how can we get it organized, and how can we? make this incredible gift that was the World Wide Web, right, to all of us, get it stabilized and make it be good, right, a power, like everybody is a star, like I really want it to be good. And so the way I see all of this stuff is we're still quite early on for a new technology. Most technologies take like 80, 50 to 80 years to mature, right? So we're still quite early. And I still think there's an opportunity to, you know, govern the web better, govern the internet better. And digital governance, which is how people do things inside the enterprise. So I'm still trying to solve that kind of problem. In it, and I'm stuck on it, right? Because that's what I care about. Like, can we get this right kind of as a human population?
0: I don't know the, and this is a total sidebar conversation because not everybody who listens is, is in our field, but it's one of those things that we find in while we do a, a broader spectrum of, of consulting, governance is is definitely an area that I lean into and is an area that I'm focused on and done a lot of research and, and help our clients with. It's that thing that they're most resistant to, yet as much as you're trying to explain to them that it is probably the most enabling and freeing for progress and improvement and absolutely succeeding that they can do in order to get to those things. And it's just, it's like, I I don't under, I have yet to figure out what it is about it that people hate, whether it's the being told what to do or how to do something. It's about, whether it's about following rules. I know change is really hard. And of course, governance is all about change management, but it's just, I I hear you on the, you know, it it is a puzzle that is yet to be solved. So,
1: well, I think um,
0: that,
1: yeah, I think that people, Human nature, you know, people like to be free, and the culture of digital is such that it was started very free, right? And a lot of people who were attracted to this profession enjoyed the freedom. I mean, at Cisco Systems, we did crazy stuff, like, you know, live on the server, you know, in the Unix shell, right? So, that's a certain type of personality, but as things have solidified and as the impact has grown and as the technology has matured and practices have normalized, right? It's not as free and the impact is harder. And I think so temperamentally and emotionally for some people, that's just really difficult, right? And I also yeah. think that that there's a little part of human beings that equate, like that make a binary system out of it. I'm either completely free or I am, you know, cons- completely constrained, right? And it, the reality is, nobody gets to do whatever they want, right? So, yeah. like, so it, it's not a matter of like just putting the most rules in place. It's a matter of oh, another use this word again: being intentional about what rules are going to get you what you want. Right. Yep. And So, Love that. yeah, so it, so it's so people are afraid that they're going to the creativity is going to be constrained. But, you know, I give there's a talk that I give a, around governance. It's all stemmed around different types of music, including jazz. I play improvisational piano and, you know, jazz happens over a chord progression that everybody's following rules. Right. Yes, there is free jazz and there are other things. But as a general rule, there's a chord progression that's going on right, that people are improvising around, which creates some of the most fantastic and incredible music in the world, right, so people aren't just doing what they want, but they have a rule set that says, hey, we're following this cool chord progression, and, you know, we're going to do this many verses, and then you solo, and maybe we'll go back and forth, so there still are patterns and, and norms, and so I'm trying to help people find that for themselves, right, and so, uh, and, and I'm hoping to help people understand that's what governance is, that's what good governance is, right, and it cuts away kind of a lot of the nonsense but
0: that's a good analogy i like that because again for those of us particularly who have an untrained ear in terms of um music and musicality it it, it, you know something like jazz and certainly improvisational jazz um is something that sounds random to us that sounds like it's just mayhem some of it to us good some of it you know music is is such a subjective topic but there is a structure behind it um and so you can still do amazing things but structure enables that
1: yeah and i like to think about i like to think about architecture as well there's some amazing looking buildings that only stand because of standards right so people are making it seem like oh it's just cookie cutter and it's like anything that not anything most things i won't over speak that we enjoy are operating on a standards-based framework, right, including Mm -hmm. human beings and our DNA. So it's not like the world doesn't operate on a free-for-all, right? So (laughs) that's just not how things work. So I think that's a maturity issue in the technology world of people understanding this isn't a free-for-all. And I think a lot of people know now because we've seen the kind of ugly backside of it now right? Of what oh, happens sure. when we don't govern. And so, yep. um, you know, I should be sitting back going, aha, I told you so. But honestly, I find the situation kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, too true.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, you've spent such a big part of your career um, in web governance, a lot more of it just surrounding the tech space. If you weren't in the web governance space, what would you be doing? If, if, what, what's, what's Lisa's alter ego?
1: Uh well, rather other than writing, so I would probably be in a small house in a quiet place somewhere, um reading and writing, maybe being the crazy lady that plays jazz piano and sings on Wednesday night at the local pub um that <laughs> annoys the small children uh and just kind of going about my business, I'm a really big meditator, and so I'm kind of ordinary in that way and like to leave a quiet and and small life, so I think that that's what I'd be doing: looking at information, um, writing about things, reflecting a little bit, um, which maybe sounds like retirement, but that could be a life for me. Um, I think uh, one of the other things that interests me is is just teaching, right? I, the knowledge transfer. I've been privileged to work with so many different types of organizations, and I just have seen a lot of things and synthesized a knowledge and seen a lot of use cases. So I think sort of consolidating that and enabling and sort of mentoring others is also a space that's really interesting to me, which is related to what I do for, for a living, but kind of, kind of different at the same time. Well, that all
0: sounds lovely. And the thing is you can do all of that, including the knowledge transfer from a beautiful quiet house, you know, in a small town because uh, we can do everything remotely now, <laughs> right? We've yeah, yeah, yeah. accepted that. We don't actually have to put our, our butts on a plane every single time to, you know, spend an hour with someone when we can easily do that over um, a Zoom. Going in person is good. I think we need more face-to-face. I think we need to find that balance still, for the record. But um, yes, that sounds absolutely idyllic. Yeah. You've done so much in your career and made, made your way through... You know, a difficult space for not only a woman, but a woman of color. The lessons you've learned, I'm sure, are you could write a book alone on that. So for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice, whether it's on life or career, could be all of it happiness that you'd like to share?
1: Um, I thought about this a bit. And I, I think what I would really have to say is for you to know what you want out of your life and out of your career I think, you know, because we have so many social channels, online channels, cable TV channels, there's so much media coming at us right now. I think that it's very difficult to get into a quiet space and understand what you really like, right? What you like to do with your time, the type of work that energizes you versus exhausts you, you know, you know whether or not you want to have a family or not, whether you're not like really tuning into what it is that you want. And then using that word again, being intentional about getting that. And I think that that's the first piece of it. The second piece would be to understand your total value as a human being. I think particularly in the profession in the digital world that I work in, a lot of people, not just women are measuring their value against what they can deliver in a work context. And while that is, practically speaking, important, we have to pay bills and put roof over our head and all of that, but there are other types of values that are important. And, you know, when I work with teams, I really, you know, not everybody's going to be the big boss, right? A a team is, is a bunch of different types of people with a bunch of different types of qualities and personality makeups, energy levels, or whatever. And there's a fitness to purpose for everyone. So, I think people being able to embody themselves and really understanding their total value as a human being and not just measuring it against kind of like this idyllic sense of superstar. There seems to be, you know, I'm, I'm trending. I'm, you know, there's all of this push to kind of like be really big and it's like, maybe that's just not who you are. Right. So, right. (laughs) Right. Right. So I think that there is, there's, there's a lot to that um, because I think, you know, whatever you believe about the nature of the world and how many lives you get or whatever, you're in this life now. Right. And you should enjoy that and be be sort of fully embodied into it um, and be happy.
0: Great advice. Absolutely amazing. Uh, So tell our audience, have you got some speaking engagements coming up? Where can they find you uh, on our, you know, hopefully getting safer and safer web or actually in person?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I might have speaking engagements. I don't have anything at the tip of my tongue. So not this year, but LinkedIn is probably the only social media where you're ever going to get me to do any kind of response to you. Um, If you want to read things that I've written, my website and, of course, this surfacing podcast that I do with Andy Vitale is um, we're getting ready to do uh, season three coming up. We haven't decided what the theme is, but those are all good places to 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 come by and say hi. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Lisa, this
0: has just been such a great conversation. One, I've loved catching up with you because, like we said, it's been too long. I've got to get over to uh, to where you are. Um, and hearing about your journey, to my audience, thank you so much for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lisa and hearing about how being serendipitously intentional and her journey has led to a journey of puzzle solving to success as a leader in the world of technology and web governance and if you lean into who you really are and go for what you want be open to learn there's absolutely nothing you can't achieve if you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women you can head over to UnchartedJourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes you can also sign up for our email list and check out the links and the resources in the show notes thanks again for listening see you next time and until then enjoy the journey
1: Everybody is a star Who will rain and chase the dust away Everybody wants to shine Who'll come out on a cloudy day Tis the sun that loves you bright.
0: When the system tries to bring you